What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I am in that kind of mood. And joining me to go through the weekend's matches, we have Welcome to the Big School. It's Graham Thulis. Hello. And get that craft shite in the bin. It's Joel Sked. Oh, thank you. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing, guys? Yeah, good. 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 Can, can, I, can I let you into a, a little secret? That I've, I've actually been drinking more of the more of that craft shite. Um, however, not Brewdog. I've never. I've not gone as far as as Brewdog, and I never will. But um, there's there's one thing I've one thing I've been trying in uh, during lockdown. You're gonna have to get that pin tweet in the bin then instead of the craft beer. No, it stays. It's, it's, it's still it's it still shows where my lo- loyalties lies. Graham, did you have a good time in George Square last night? It was magic. Yeah, I had a really good time. Got got some really good content. How come uh, a few weeks ago you guys were defending those statues and now you are pissing on them? <laughs> Is this because I shaved my head? <laughs> No, it's just because somewhere down the line you've got to be a Rangers or a Celtic fan. You prefer one or the other somewhere down the line. And I just guessed that you you were a big teddy bear. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Rangers did clinch the Premiership title at the weekend, or they did it while not kicking a ball, uh, but while uh, mocking their opponents by um, flying a plane above Tanadice at the time. But they all but secured the title on Saturday with a 3-0 win over St Mirren. Um yeah, so their, their home form, I think it just kind of summed up. It was a really kind of quality professional performance, Joel, and it just it just kind of summed up their imperious home form, if not like their imperious form across the entire season. Yeah, well, at one point on Saturday, you kind of thought, seeing the two goals come in in the first half in quick succession, you kind of thought, okay, they are going to, going to finish the... <clears throat> secure the league title with a resounding victory. So there was when I seen it was 2-0 after 
however many minutes it was, I was fearing the worst for St Mirren and thinking it could end up 6-7, potentially 8-0. But no, it's... it's uh, they once again showed their showed their quality and the, the, the standard of goals the game. Some of the some of the team goals Rangers have scored both in Europe and domestic football this this season has just been an absolute a level above. I know we'll come on to talk talk about Celtic, but Ryan Christie was asked afterwards if uh, there was um, if the kind of if the, the twenty point gap reflected the, the the gap between the the clubs, and he said no. But my view is that. He's being uh, ridiculous, but in the other view, uh, in the other way, that Rangers probably deserve to be further ahead, such as being their, such being their kind of dominance and swagger. I mean, they have, they've not really, they've not really had to like kind of stumble over the line. They've they they, they raced, uh, they, they raced out the, um, yeah, they they, they started they, they started in, uh, the season with in, in such, such panache, such quality, such intensity. And they've only like went down to a jog, and now it's just like a, a really sh- a stroll with a cigar out. They've not they've not, not had a stumble. It's just been it's, it's been a long time coming. I felt like the the, the op- or Kent opening the scoring was just the, the best example of that. Just take the ball, move it out your feet, and then just absolutely leathered it into the corner. It was like a game at a FIFA. It was it didn't look like a real live football game goal it looked like something at FIFA I've just I've got the space and I know that if I hit it hit this button at this point that it's going to fire it straight into the corner it was a ridiculous finish on that as well and I thought like I was much the same watching the results come in and seeing two goals in two minutes I sort of I loaded my fantasy football team full of Rangers attacking players because I was fairly convinced they were going to put six or seven passes in there and just to make a point more than anything else but watching a chunk of the game as well it was just like he's well, like two nothing up and then strolled the rest of the game. Had you added that third with having the most time I've seen just about anyone have all season uh, in the 18-yard box and um, to get out his feet, have a look, have another look, have a third look, and then put it in the corner as well. Though, uh, it was a, a comfortable finish, and I fully agree with you, Joel. Just the, the, the fact that the, the biggest fault they had was, uh, what was a draw against Livingston, um, really, was they drew against Hibs as well, I remember as well, but again, Hibs were very good on the night. Rangers were kind of so-so, but the, the biggest struggle they had was was the nothing each against Livingston. That's the only time all season long you've looked at them and gone, kind of struggled there, certainly in the league. I'd say, and I said at the time, around January or so, there was a few performances that dipped, but they were still getting the results. And I remember saying on one of the shows that, that we're, we're witnessing their slump, basically. This is as far as the slump's going to go. It doesn't look like they're going to go on like a two, three matches without uh, picking up a win or anything like that. But yeah, to go back to something you said, Joel, um, John Kennedy completely um, dodged that question as well. He was he was asked whether it was a fair reflection, the, the points gap, and he kind of answered, well, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of, oh, well, we've dominated for the previous seasons, you know what I mean? But yeah, just... Again, just completely ignoring the reality that they've, they've uh, that Rangers have just been so far and away uh, the dominant side this season. So St Mirren, let's go. Let's turn this, turn our attention to St Mirren. Are, are St Mirren going to shank their uh, top six spot? Hope so. <laughs> Joe, um, I'm just I'm just checking who they've got. Do you know who they've got off the top of your head? I, uh, I, I looked at like yes. are playing Ross County and St Mirren have got Hamilton. St Mirren have got Hamilton. Um. No, 
I think I think they'll probably I think we were talking about Rangers not stumbling over the line. I think St. Mirren will get get over the line into the into the top six. It's it's weird. I've talked about St. Mirren before. They went through a couple of good spells and they've they've managed to get themselves in the top six, which is which is uh, all credit to them considering large part well, large parts of the start of the season was very up and down as well, sorry, a very stop start for them because of all the COVID issues that they, they've got results taken off them and then they got the kind of the, the games back. But I've still not <laughs> the games I've watched have still not been overly, overly impressed with St. Mirren and I think they they did make it a wee bit easier for Rangers on, on Saturday. But I think just I think St Johnson. If, if, if it was two games to go, I think maybe St Johnson would maybe, would pep them. But I think I think Living, uh, sorry St Mirren probably just have enough. We should probably go back and speak a little bit about Rangers. I kind of brushed over them a wee bit there, but Joel and I are going to go and speak about them on the Patreon in a wee bit more detail later. But yeah, Graham, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, the first goal from Kent. The second goal was an absolutely tremendous finish from uh, Morelos, who's really hit a hot streak just in time for going to Celtic Park. It seems. Yeah, I mean, it's. I do wonder whether just having not so much competition there in Roof because every time I see the two of them play together, they seem to be complementing each other as well. Um, but just his form throughout sort of February and March has been absolutely unstoppable. Whether it's uh, in the in the league or, or in Europe as well, but just the, the first half of the season felt very stop start for him. Whether it was coming in and out of the team, he's had a few. He had seemed to have a few niggles and things like that. But he always felt like he kind of got a shift out of him. Um, around about <clears throat> the run up to January, there was all the chat about whether his head had been turned or anything like that at all. Which is funny that he came back in January or just after that and immediately started bashing goals in as soon as that was over and done with. So um, again, maybe it was maybe his head was busy in terms of going somewhere else or being doing something else. It doesn't particularly matter um, at this point, but. Having this season, I've said it a few times this season, having the, the players that Rangers have in the forward areas in Defoe, Morelos, Roof and Itton is kind of the first time in the last couple of years Morelos' time at Rangers that they've had sort of proper competition for the forward place. Um, previously it was a case of it was either Morelos or Defoe and Defoe never really felt like he fitted in, in, in a lot of the teams or in a lot of the games. So he was he's an option off the bench and he's an option if Morelos is suspended or injured and that's fine. But just the actual competition, the fact that each of those four centre-forwards are bringing something very, very different to the game as well. Roof can comfortably play in behind. Itten has played out wide, which, I mean, he can do it. It's probably not his role. Um, and Defoe always being there. And Defoe being sort of the, the elder guy to try and guide guys as well. Whether it's not whether it's not likely to be on the pitch, off the pitch as well, you always get the impression he's a fairly significant influence there as well. So I think the fact that there are other bodies there are either gives them the the motivation to do things through competition or the motivation to be supported in the way that he has been this season as well. So he is, he's curious to see what the next move is uh, for Rangers. You get the feeling in the summer that inevitably one, two, some members of that squad are going to leave. And Morelos, you would imagine, would be top of that list for a lot of, a lot of people in the, the, the assumption that he would be moving on. Whether the guys who remain... Um, have the ability to step up and take on the sort of mantle of being Rangers centre forward, as much as Roof has done very well there. Morelos is the he's the guy that leads the line. Um, I'm not sure whether Roof can do it in the same way. I'm not sure whether Eaton can do it in the same way. So whether they go and look for somebody else, and quite what happens to Morelos beyond this point is quite interesting for me. I thought at one point in the season, I thought Morelos was in danger of kind of losing that talismanic figure in terms of the front three when uh, Roof was Roof had a really strong spell of. In terms of what he contributed overall, but the goals he was scoring. But I've, 
if there's one player I'm really happy for who's won the league, it's, it's Morelos after, uh, after after all these years. And it, I, think it, I think it's good to see that he's he has uh, found the goal-scoring form because I think he's always contributed in other aspects of the game. So you've seen him with a third goal, excellent third goal. Morelos drops so deep, he drags McCarthy all the way up the pitch and it leaves that space down the left-hand side for Rangers to exploit. But yeah, that... That that finish is off. I spoke about it in the last podcast I did, uh, I think on Thursday, where Morelos, we missed, um, against Livingston, missed a lot of chances, but he just kept on coming back. And he still, even though he missed those chances, looked confident. And that finish was was just incredible for a striker who's um, who's definitely, I think, coming towards the kind of the top of his game, the, the peak he's reached at Rangers. I think he was getting a bit of criticism unfairly in the uh, earlier in the season. I mean, he wasn't scoring as many goals, yes, but he was also being asked, as you've, as you've just described there, he was he's being asked to play further away from goal. Mm-hmm. I remember him getting some criticism for not for not scoring enough, but he seems to he seems to have uh, found a perfect blend now of uh, dropping to link more and and still finding the back of the net. And another player who has has done really well recently. And he actually had quite a slow start to the season, if I remember correctly. And that's a uh, uh, Hadji, Ineas Hadji. He he completed the scoring in this. And he, he's another one that's just on a, a really hot streak of form, Joe, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's someone that's someone that surprises when you you look at what he's contributed in terms of numbers this season, in terms of goals and assists. Like bloody hell, that's actually that's actually quite a lot. Because I just think it's because he has been he was bought for a decent uh, decent fee. He's got a big name that you can expect him to be just out there in terms of just being Rangers star man. But I think, I don't think there's uh, one, one thing about this Rangers side that Gerrard's developed. It's, it's about the team more than individuals. I think that's been drummed into Morelos when you talk about what he's done uh, with his uh, hold-up play. But I think slowly but surely you're seeing uh, Hadji add, the, add perhaps the bits of his game that uh, we're lacking, which kind of need to need to fit the system at Rangers, but also need to fit in in, in Scottish football. And he is, he, it's weird to say that he, he kind of goes under the radar because of his name and because of his quality. But he is he is someone who, um, who he's quite stealth, stealthily brilliant. Yeah, I kind of when he when he arrived in the summer, I, I or permanently, I kind of assumed he was going to hit the ground running and be a big star right from the off mm-hmm. at the start of the season. Particularly given that he spent a chunk of last year here as well, obviously. So it kind of felt like well, you're now buried in, you're now here, and you're ready to go. And his first half of the season felt quite quiet, but again, looking back, he's had a very very good season as well. So yeah, like you say, Joel, it was just I think certainly my perception of him this season was was coloured by the early games where he didn't seem to contribute an awful lot. Um, but certainly picked it up in the second half of the season. Okay, we'll move on from the top of the league to the bottom of the league and one of the relegation battles of the weekend, and that was Ross County, Shree Kilmarnock 2. We'll start with you, Graham. Are you disappointed that Motherwell didn't appoint outstanding candidate for the job, Tommy Wright? Um, it's it's uh, it's a real shame. I, I feel really bad for all the people that made a really big point about the fact that Tommy Wright should be Motherwell manager over a guy that, He's apparently laughable, and it was inexplicable. Um, so yeah, a real shame for those guys. Because um, Alexander like, has been pretty funny, to be fair. Yeah, he's been good value. Like he's been certainly more value for watching than Tommy Wright has, or than Tommy Wright's team has. Um, he's like a better dressed Mark McGee. 
<laughs> or a, a slightly a slightly less manic Jim Gannon you could go with as well yeah. uh, but Tommy Wright's look or sort of search for a win as St John's or as, sorry as Kilmarnock that's very good Graham. as Kilmarnock manager goes on a little bit further as well um, and while I was going to, uh, Kilmarnock look more they look slightly better but it's all just coming just too late so everything, everything about Kilmarnock feels very, very last minute. All the signings at the start of the season felt very last minute. Everything about the January window felt very last minute. Appointing Tommy Wright felt very last minute, and it, it kind of feels like that's all coming home to roost. And that's that's for the last few seasons as well. Like Kilmarnock signings always feel kind of down to the wire and grabbing what's available at that moment in time, and they haven't really addressed any of the issues that they had when Steve Clark left. Um, the issues that were there remain there. Um, they finally now have a centre forward who's probably fit to be Kilmarnock's centre forward and Kyle Lafferty. I, but again, it's so, so late in the day that he's available and able to play. And you, there, there, you would have questions in terms of how fit Lafferty's going to be for the rest of the season. If he's going to be, if he picks up anything um, coming to playing 90 minutes at a time, then I don't know quite what they do. Um, as Craig Anderson was highlighting as well, when Kelty went off, you see Wright turn around and look at his bench and just look at it and go, well, what, what the fuck am I going to do here? Like, there's just, there's absolutely no, there's no depth in the first 11, so there's certainly no depth in the bench either. Um, there are players within that Kilmarnock 11 who are simply just not good enough um, and no harm to them. They're, they're, they're hard workers and they're hard grafters, but they're not good enough quality. They weren't good enough quality last season and they remain there still as first team picks. Um, and Wright, um, it's, funny, it's funny as digging out for people for those comments are, is, and as much as I'll enjoy it, I do kind of feel a degree of sympathy for Wright because he's in a situation where there's very little he can really do with it. He's brought in Lafferty, which is kind of the only choice that he has. Um, beyond that, I'm not quite sure what he does. And your fullback getting himself put off in the very last throws of the game when I'm not sure, like, who else have you got to go and play? That's essentially McGowan and that's it, um, who's been out of the team all year because of... He's been it appears he's been having a difficult time on his own. Um, but similarly, if he's your only other option there, then just you're immediately just so limited in what you can do. I mean, Lafferty has made a difference. He looked decent um the week before and he's he scored two goals in this game, Joe. But it's just that that's some of the worst defending I've seen all season from Kilmarnock. The, the the start of that second half, it was like they were just running alongside of the ball rather than towards the ball and, and the meek challenges and the defence, the shape, the shape for that third goal when the ball's played over the top. I mean, it's like their defence is in like a rhombus shape or something like that. It's not uh, the defensive line that you want to have. The less seen defensive line and, and or the less seen defensive rhombus instead of the same <laughs> defensive line. You may have stumbled onto something there, Craig. Uh, so I think to keep that on just in case, uh, keep that in mind just in case you hear a manager speak up the defensive rhombus from now on. Uh, but you'd hope that it was more effective than Kamarak's. Oh, the, the, the defending was 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 actually appalling. Like the first, the first goal, you can go back to the first goal and the corner, it was just kind of, that was probably the least worst of the three. But even then, it was just so scrappy and potentially preventable because you go back to Colin Doyle for just flapping at a corner, just not being decisive enough to uh, come for a ball and kind of take bodies and take the ball and get some good purchase on it and allow Kilmarnock to clear the box because it doesn't. It allows uh, Ross County to recycle it and put it back in. Billy McKay just gets a run into the six-yard box. And then, yeah, the two... Two goals. So it was interesting. Grail mentioned uh, Adam McGowan. So he was brought on at half time for Rory McKenzie. So 
you'd expect McGowan to be a bit more defensive-minded regarding that. The second goal, he is caught almost in the corner flag. So when uh, Leo Hjelde breaks up the pitch, he's just got acres of space on the right-hand side. The rest of the Kelly defence think, okay, let's all all chase the ball like school kids uh, playing um, seven-a-side football or just getting their first... Uh, first taste of football. The third goal, like I said, it's, just, it's, it's really hard. I'll, I'll come to this, but it's just hard to analyze just because there's so many stupid decisions, so so many rash decisions. And then you've got Medley, who I've been pretty impressed with, but he, he actually, it's like he tried to get out of the way of the, the shot. It was just such a pathetic attempt of blocking the shot. And watching the game last uh, yesterday, it was... It was fun to watch, but it was but it was just because the ball was just going back and forward. It was just like a really, really shit game of basketball. And I, so I was kind of like, right, both Ross County and Kamara are not taking care of the ball here and they're just going back and forth. I'd quite like to check out the stats. So I went on Wisecout this morning. Don't want to be one of those podcasts who just reads, reads out stats, but I think they kind of it backs up the point that when you look at Kilmarnock, so they average 342 passes per game in the Premiership this season, and their accuracy is 77.6%. Against uh, Ross County, the accuracy was 68%, and then usually the their oppositions average about 78% accuracy. Ross County's was 60% accuracy. So that just shows you how, how much uh, they were losing the ball. In terms of losses, um, Kamarik lost the ball 181, 181 times. They usually do it 127 times. So it would just it just showed you the lack of the lack of control. And it was it was a proper relegation battle where I think it was it was about hard running and not making mistakes uh, or making less mistakes in the opposition. And that's what happened with Frost County and Kamarik. So the, the sorry, Craig, the, the second county goal is incredible because there's four. There are four Kilmarnock players around Billy Mackay. The ball comes wide and not one of them at any point when Mackay has the ball takes a look to the left to see Hilda. And Hilda's a big laddie. Um, he's presumably screaming for the ball and at no point does does a single one of them look around to to spot him. Broadfoot's so, so deep as well. Just everything about it is just... That, that one in particular is the one that stood out for me because Hilda must have run past at least two Kelly players as well to get there. And just the, the organisation from as you see, from McGowan down in the corner, losing the ball all the way to the goal itself. And Hilda has time to take a couple of touches and get out of his feet and then lash, pick his spot and lash. He's got so much time as well. It's just so much time, so much space. And it just, it, it, it's just, it must be, it's terrifying to watch if you're a Kelly fan. And what what praise the Ross County deserve? Surely, surely they deserve a little bit of praise rather than just being not as bad as Killian in this match because I mean that's they're winning every other game at the moment under Hughes I'll be honest I looked at this lineup and I thought I, I don't like the look of that lineup but they've managed to get three goals Billy McKay is getting back on the score sheet again what did they do right in this game Joe? The I think they, they, they used um, they used white well so they they bypassed I think when they in terms of when you look at their kind of losses and accuracy, and I think that probably comes down to the fact that they are uh, they went a bit more, more direct, and I think Jordan White allows them to do this. Jordan White has been actually um, more effective and more productive than I actually actually thought he was. The the um, so they, they had uh, like 70, 73 uh, long passes, and I think they just looked to bypass the midfield. 
I was a big fan of, uh, I was getting mis, uh, mixed up, but uh, Lacken, I thought he was one player out of the two teams who kind of put the, put his foot on the ball and looked to go forward with a bit of purpose and with a bit of direction. So th- what County had, I mean, they just they just had players who were more effective on the day and I think they've got a bit more confidence about them. I think they are, they're a team who are still... Like I said, they're winning every other game, and I think that's that's more than enough down at the bottom of, of the table, especially when you've got Kamarnock, who are literally not winning the game uh, over the last month or so. They, you don't really see a John Hughes' identity, so I, I think kind of hats off to Hughes and that he's seen what the predicament is. The pitch is not great up there, and he is just he's he's looking at the probably the most effective way of getting out the um, out the uh, out the relegation mire. Still though, defensively, Ross County weren't that great. Cole Donaldson played them into trouble a few times. The the penalty concession from Keith Watson, and then the the first goal as well, where everyone stopped to appeal for the referee. It was just all over. It was just, it was a very hard game to analyse, just because there were so many mistakes, so many balls given away, and it, it was very um, it, it wasn't what you'd expect of a top flight match. What, from one team that's still very much in the relegation, or two teams are still very much in the relegation fight, to a team that have moved their way out of the relegation fight recently, that's Motherwell. Graham, it wasn't so long ago that you guys were getting horsed by Ackes again, and then horsed by St Johnston. But that's a couple of decent results against top six teams now, back-to-back, uh, following those two. It looks like largely the same kind of team he's picking as well. What, what, what's, he, what's been done differently over those matches? The sort of noticeable difference under Alexander's everything just feels simpler. Um, there are it feels less complex, and there was it's been interesting watching some of the inside Motherwell stuff as well because there was uh, there was bits and pieces about talking about Motherwell's sixes and eights and stuff like that, which is as somebody very kindly put on Pine Bovel, it's fine to talk about sixes and eights, but our midfielders kind of looked like they'd never met before, so the idea of putting together passing patterns seems a bit of a, a futile sort of gesture at this point. Um, but everything feels simpler. Like the midfield of Maguire, Campbell and, and, and Crawford, you know exactly what you get from all three of those players. They are all, all three of them reasonable footballers, but more, th- more than anything else, all three of them are going to absolutely run themselves to death on the middle of the pitch to try and stop somebody else from playing, which is all you're really looking for from a midfield when you are in a, in a relegation battle. He's We no longer kind of play out from the back. We don't drop the certain halves in beside the goalkeeper to try and play out there because McGloyer and Lamy as well, both of them are reasonable footballers, but we are in a relegation battle, so why are we putting ourselves under pressure by doing that? In addition, Kelly, like Kelly, Kelly's the reason why we're not going down long and short of it. If we if we persisted with Chapman, we would be relegated, and there's there's no other way to look at it than that. That was a fantastic save from Papa. Yeah. Kelly yeah. is making a, a save a game, essentially to turn a draw into a win or a or a or a, or a loss and a draw. He is the, the same from Paplantic being the, the perfect example. It feels like the, the goal that we've conceded all season. We, we take the lead, we've looked really good, we've played really well. And then five, ten minutes before halftime, we concede, we commit the second half and we lose the game. But Kelly doesn't. Kelly stops it, Kelly saves it. As well as that, Kelly's distribution is really good as well. So hitting Roberts and hitting Devante Cole is absolutely not a problem for him. And the kind of the biggest thing going forward for us and attacking wise that Alexander's done is that um, Robinson was playing. Watt as the main striker and then wingers off of him whereas Alexander's played Cole as the main striker and then Watt and Roberts play off of him and the difference that it's made is massive because Cole can go and compete with John Guthrie can go and compete with Jack Fitzwater Tony Watt can too as well 
but not as consistently as, as Devante Cole can. He's just a, a different and more physical centre forward than Tony Watt is, as well as it frees up Tony Watt to go and play his game. Well, unfortunately, came off in this game, which was a bit of a blow, but again, we, we did okay without him, which is reassuring to, with, with Chris Long coming on. Um, but Devante Cole has been, Devante Cole and Liam Kelly either being fit or arriving have been the things that have turned our season around. Broadly, the team is the same as it has been all season long. We have yet another centre-half partnership they're working through just now. Uh, McGloyer actually looks like a, actually looks like a reasonable centre-half. Um, he's got so much pace that it covers a whole load of sins in his game. And regardless of whatever happens, even if he misses it, he'll still get there before somebody else does. Um, and he's done that a few times for us as well. And as I say, the midfield three are just suitably snide um, for us as well. So if somebody does break through, pull him down. Absolutely no problem at all. No hesitation in doing that. We are much better than we were a few weeks ago. The the Aki's game is, a, is the aberration that we've had under Alexander. It was, I, I have no idea what happened on the day I'm still not entirely sure we, we looked like we just didn't turn up the St Johnston game there are some mitigating factors on the basis that we had the well, literal entire 11 that could have played out which would have been just every one of them would have been better than the 11 that started um, it was a strange day and a strange game and that's quite a worrying after such a great run of results Joel for um, Davy Martindale as Livingston manager, he seems to really hit a brick wall with his side now. Is this, do you think this is something that Livingston fans should be concerned about a longer term, or or do you think he, do you think he'll um, he'll find his mojo again? I've never used that expression before. No, it's mojo is fine. Mojo is fine. I think it's interesting with Livingston and. It's it'd be remiss to call their fourteen game run a blip, but it's I don't want to go this as far as that. But you look at it, the fact that they've struggled so much under Holt, and obviously Martindale, Holt left Martindale to uh, full control, and they went on a, a superb run. But they've kind of went back on that, and they're, they're struggling again. So a very very strange team to uh, to, to kind of assess. But it seems like a lot of teams have figured out how to play them. And I think Mullerwell have. So you look at in recent games, so they've they've lost quite a few recently, but um, in, in recent games, they have uh, lost to Dundee United. Um, Mullerwell there. And, sorry? It's Johnston in the final. Sorry, St. I'm Johnston. trying to help you out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yes, St. in the final, but it's also St. Johnston in the league. And... It's interesting that uh, Livingston had more possession than Motherwell, more possession than St Johnston, more possession than Dundee United. It just seems like the all of those teams, if like, right, just let Livingston have the ball and let's do to Livingston what Livingston have done to so many other teams over the course of the last couple of seasons. You've seen it on Saturday, uh, Graham talked about the midfielders. Robbie Crawford and uh, Alan Campbell, they just were on it all point for 90 minutes and you, you thought right they're going to tire but they just they just kept at Livingston put pressure on Livingston and essentially just out Livingston Livingston that is uh that's that's a worry for uh for Martindale he's he's talked about needing to go back to basics and he's talked about how he's freshened things up but when it comes down to it they I think they perhaps need more strings to the ball if teams are going to allow them to have a lot of possession I did wonder at Livingston as well because they've in kind of all of the top flight seasons it's kind of felt the last third of the season kind of run out of steam a little bit mm. 
Um, last year was maybe the exception when it, came, it felt like they came into form in the last third of the season and it was at that point the season was ended um, but in their other top flight seasons and I kind of wondered what was going to happen after the cup um, because they kind of faltered a little bit and you wondered whether it was a case of they just they were so focused on that and that had taken up all their, that had taken up all their energy then you go and lose it and then you kind of look at the squad and go what else have we got to play for for the rest of the season well, they're not going to catch third or fourth place um, they're Probably just about safe from given that given that it's St. Mirren or St. Johnston, maybe they could catch them for fifth place. But the difference between fifth and sixth is not a massive jump one way or another, anyway. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's just a case of perhaps they've our season's done. Like we've done everything that we, we could possibly have been looking for doing, and maybe that just sort of slight mentality shift for a team like Livingston and the way that they play does feel like they need to have everybody doing absolutely everything at hundred percent. And as soon as you drop down from that, then it's not quite the same as well. I hadn't. It's actually completely passed me by, but I had actually missed that Kieran Brown had been recalled by Cardiff as well. He um, he, he kind of feels like a sort of Swiss Army knife in their back mm. four or back three or however it is that they're playing. And I did wonder whether they're missing him as well um, because he's just a, a very nice player that can do just about whatever role is needed for him in the in the Livingston defence. And a lot of times that's kind of what all the Livy players are being asked to do in any case of doing different things in different places and having more players that are comfortable in doing that maybe makes them better. It's, it's I still find certain um, decisions strange. I mean, Ross, uh, sorry, Robbie McCrory has come back in, and again, he's never still not he's, he's still not done it for me. And you've seen it again on Saturday where he got away with a poor kick in the first half when Devante Cole uh, hit a shot with his left foot and there was just a bit of a dodge, uh, dodgy angle. Then a kick out in the second half, which Jordan Roberts, uh, who looks a completely different player to the one I saw Hearts. Uh, it's almost blocked. like Hearts waste talent. Yeah, that's that is true. That is true. Roberts blocked, well, kind of got got a touch on one of his kickouts, and which led to Chris Long's goal. And I mean, it was a handball, Joe. You can you can say it was a handball because it was very clearly a handball from Roberts. Okay, it was a handball from Roberts, and understandably, McCrory did appeal to the referee, but it, it goes to Long, and it almost makes it easy for Long to finish, he's, he's down, he, he's, he, he makes it very predictable for, uh, he makes it very easy for Long because early on you know he is going to go right, I'm going to uh, kind of drop down to my right and then spread my leg out to the left, so all, these, all Long had to do was lift over his leg and then uh, this acres of goal behind him. If, you, if, you're look, if you're watching this game as Steve Clark and you, you're taking a younger goalkeeper as your third goalkeeper to the Euros, like you probably should, and that if you're taking the, the two guys that are absolutely nailed on for starting positions, then you take them and you take a younger guy because what's the point in taking John McLaughlin? There's no chance you're taking McCrory. You're taking Kelly every day of the week. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, let's stick with you, Joel, and let's stick with goalkeepers and move up to Perth where an axis of former Highbees um, combined to... To, to defeat Hibs, I don't know where I was going with that really, but Marciano, should he have done better with uh, the strike? It was a great strike from Liam Craig, and why does he never do this uh, against Scotland when we play them on a monthly basis? Taking the the, the second question, uh, I think I think Marciano is a type, of, uh, a type of goalkeeper who is a big occasion goalkeeper. Big occasion goalkeeper. So uh, when when he is when he's fully on it, fully focused, he is Wayne one Scotland of the best. Is huge. He is one. What's, of, it, what's he doing at Hibs then? He is <laughs> he's one of the better goalkeepers uh, when uh, like on big big occasions. I have a degree of sympathy. Yes, as when I first saw it, I thought 
that he could have done better with it because he gets across and gets a hand to it, but it still goes in. You see the angle from behind the goal and it's he, he does see it late. There's a few bodies in front of him. Still, with the size of Marciano is, the capability that he has at, at saving shots, he probably should have done more to push that, push that away. More than anything else, I'm just really happy for Liam Craig, who appears to have have had like the best week of his life. Um, of all the all the players celebrating at the Betfred Cup final, the player that seemed to enjoy it the absolute most was Liam Craig. Um, mm. I do get the impression that he, it seems fairly inevitable that a guy that spent the vast majority of his career at St Johnston wasn't there when they won the Scottish Cup, and his reaction at full time. Um, when he's down on his knees, look at this guy. He looks like a guy. He's he he feels like one of those guys that deserves it more than anything else. And his reaction scoring this goal as well is one of my favourite pictures of the season so far as well. Of him just standing there and the players mobbing him. Um, it, it did feel of I mean, obviously you win a cup, it means a lot to everybody. But to Liam Craig, it felt like it meant a little bit more to him. He felt like he really deserved that as well. And fair play to him, I think he does. Um, and this goal as well, it just felt like that moment. It was just, you know what, I'll, I'll have a swing at it because I'm having a really good fucking week. So if I have a swing at it, I'll go in. So at this moment in time, I'm not going to blame Marciano. I'm just going to place it entirely on Liam Craig having the time of his life. Yeah, I, I was I was reading an article about Craig today and I was actually really surprised that he's only 16, within 16 games of Stephen Anderson's all-time St. Johnson record for appearances. Yeah. which is quite remarkable considering he spent a long time at Falkirk and then had a, a spell at Hibs as well. He was talked about. He, he talked about some of the changes he made, and he, he actually credited Craig Bryson. So Craig Bryson came in, and he says that Craig Bryson just he looks after him, so, looks after himself so well. Both him, both Liam Craig and Sean Rooney have taken a lot of uh, nutritional tips from him. He's like been getting recipes sent to him, which uh, which I found quite interesting because Craig Craig did say that he's he's at his stage in his career and his age that he thought kind of nothing would change his routine. And he's something has uh, changed his routine in terms of his shooting against. I, I did see a, a, a St. Johnson fan uh, bemoan the number of times he takes a shot uh, during the draw with, uh, with with Aki's. But I mean, he hit the bar twice against Motherwell recently, and he did have a couple of close efforts against Hamilton. So it was coming, and uh, just trust it to be Hibs. It comes against when Callum Booth and David Witherspoon are involved as well, and I think that. Is, is, showed the quality and the danger because it came down the Craig started it but it came down the left and if I was I know Sean Rooney gets has been getting a lot of plaudits but that left hand side for St Johnston is very very dangerous just with David Wotherspoon who he's one of my favourite players to watch in the Premiership at the moment just because he's so just so easy on the eye the way he, he moves and the way he takes the ball he, he kind of how he teases defenders and his movement out to the left, link up with Tans or, or Booth, whoever's there. And Stevie May or Chris Kane often comes across the left. And I think there's just there's just a really good a really good partnership relationship down that left hand side for St John's. Ever ever since uh, Craig's best mate uh, Chris Ewell uh, said that I thought you were talking about Liam Craig still there. <laughs> <laughs> I said that Wallaceman could do anything he wanted with the game. Ever since he said that, at the time I remember thinking that's a bit of a that's a bit of a claim. And ever I, literally ever since he, quoting Ricky Foster, or don't call me Ricky Foster, Richard Foster, Foster. Um, ever since he said that, every time I watch Wallace, I'm like, Do you know what? He might actually have a point here. It seemed one of those wild claims at the time, but now every time I see him, I'm like, you are actually just really, really good at football, mate. Aren't you? 
he, he, he just he controls uh, well, I'm trying to think what the word is but he, he controls the ball so well and he just it makes it makes the ball do things that I didn't think David Spiller, uh, Willerspoon was capable of making the ball to do and like just before we move on from this game just we'll kind of quickly talk about Hibs they seem to have a problem scoring goals at the moment or getting goals from their strikers specifically, it seems. Uh, Boyle seemed to come back into form when he was moved uh, up as a striker a few weeks back. But it's been a long time since Doidge has scored, if I'm not mistaken. And Kevin Nisbet, obviously there's reasons why he kind of dropped out the team for a bit. He was brought back in for this game, but he's struggling in front of goal at the moment as well. And it, it just seems, although it seems like nobody wants to finish third this season, doesn't it, Joe? Everybody's trying their best not to finish third. Yeah, because obviously we're going to come on and talk about Aberdeen, but it's remarkable that they still have a very good chance of finishing third. And what a what a sad indictment of the league if that if that was it's to happen. Other than Rangers, it's just a shite league. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. With in, in terms of Hibs, I I look at them and Kevin Nisbet. I'm a huge, huge fan of Kevin Nisbet and. I think the the whole transfer the transfer saga uh, kind of tr- transfer saga came and it's really derailed to season. Massive fan of Martin Boyle, probably one of the few who think Martin Boyle is best as a right wing back, just because he can start deeper and uh, kind of get up ahead of steam to take on on fullbacks. But I think with Hibs, if you're wanting to score goals, I know he might be not be on a great uh, run of form just now, but I think Christian Dodge is one of those players who just makes his strike partner even better makes players who play with him even better just with his kind of selflessness i know he's i know he's a really um, it might be a really nice guy and um and out, out, out with the football pitch but i think he um i think they're they're missing that that kind of that selflessness and niceness on the pitch as well uh, he, oh, yeah. he's, he is the kind of player though that kind of needs I know mean, he has to miss a few sitters before he gets a goal, though, doesn't yeah. he? He's a guy that they always aim for in the in the penalty box with their set pieces as well, so they miss that when he doesn't play. Sorry, Graham, talked over you there. No, I was going to say, I made my feelings of Christian Dodge very clear a couple of weeks ago to the point where apparently somebody posted on Hibstone, so I feel like I'm making it. There you go. <laughs> was it was it praise or...? It was when I was I went on about just playing Dodge. doesn't matter what else you do. Pick whoever else you want. But no, Dodge, but then the, 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 the guy on Hibs.net, were you getting slagged for it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, let's move on. We've got two nil nils to speak of, which um, we'll just we won't spend too much time on these. Aberdeen, uh, Bonnie Regrosa scored more goals this year than Aberdeen, <laughs> and they haven't played since the twelfth of January or something like that. Um, what is going on there, Graham? Why why can't Aberdeen score a goal? Because they they live in Aberdeen, and it's really just getting to everybody. Is my best guess. Um, it's not it's not the, it's not the place you want to be. Um, I, I, it's beyond me. It's, it, it's truly beyond me. It's, uh, it feels like we're, we are, I know we talk about this all the time, but it feels like we are stumbling towards the end of Derek McInnes at Aberdeen and it feels like a bit of a shame from an outsider looking in for a guy that has done well there for a big chunk of time. But I, I just, I can't see a situation where this continues. Um, he was backed in January to bring in a bunch of centre-forwards who can't fucking score goals. Um there are elements of that team which have needed pruned and needed changed and needed freshened up for two years now, three years now. And the answers that he has to these questions are to bring back Johnny Hayes, a guy who looked fairly spent at the end of his time at Celtic. And having him as a squad player is fine, but he's not going to be there on squad player wages. So you're 
burning money on a guy who's just not contributing a huge amount. It's similar about Niall McGinn as well. I was about to say as well, Niall McGinn probably falls into that category as well of a guy who has been a great servant to Aberdeen, but it's probably time to move on from that as well. I think if, sorry, I'm just cut across here. I think if you give it time, if you give McInnes another two, three years at Pataudry, uh, by 2023-24 Adam Rooney will be back Graham Shinney will be back who else will be back we'll just, we'll just get a band it's together from the, the mid uh, the mid 2000s uh, mid uh, mid um, tweenies whatever you call however you'd call it it just kind of feels like he's always going back to chase what that team was because that was a very good team and there are, there are points this season where Aberdeen have looked like a very good team but it's only been for sort of two or three game stretches and then mm. somebody gets injured and the whole thing falls to bits or a player is sold and then the guys that have brought in to try and replace him. It feels like trying to do an awful lot of surgery um, in a very short period of time rather than just saying, look, do you know what? We actually just need to blow this all up and start again. There are, there are good players within that team. There are saleable assets within that team as well if you want to go down that route as well. But it's time for a change. There are, there are, there are enough good bodies there to hold on to and a core of older guys that can look after everybody else, but it's time for something different to happen. Um, there, re- there really is. is it's like it's it's a real. You kind of talked about it. There's a real end of days feel about McInnes's reign, where it's end of days in terms of there's there's no food on the shelves. People are just roaming the streets. It's just <laughs> it's just barren and horrible. And Aki's just, I don't have a link there. Aki's just keep uh, chipping away. But I, I think Barron Bar- Bar- and Horrible is a fairly good link to Hamill and Aki's. <laughs> they never seem to lose a game anymore. Yeah, they're, uh, they're still the second bottom. Uh, and they usually hit a bit of form after the split. But um, yeah, I mean, they just, they've just been a weird team this season. They, they looked like that, that, that squad at the start of the season, just, and even halfway through the season, looked like it was bereft of anything and now they've found a shape they've found um a settled 11 which obviously has been changing due to injuries here and there uh, they've even been getting a tune out of charlie trafford but yeah I, I oh don't, they can, don't don't go don't go that far <laughs> but um yeah they, they just like i say they, they just keep chipping away and um, I think was that the one defeat in like five or something like that. I I think I think Aki's are. I look at that. You, you hit the nail on the nail on the head where early in the season you just think, okay, that is a that's a squad with uh that's a squad with an without an idea without a game plan that's going absolutely nowhere. Whether well, they actually they weren't going nowhere, they were going to the championship, but they've they found it. And weirdly, you look at the. I'm looking at constantly looking at that Hamilton team and kind of nodding. It's like uh, Joey in the episode of Friends where he's eating the trifle, and it's just like custard, good jam, good meat, good. Like it, they're they're not meant to go together, but it just it just works, and it is uh, it, it's it's tasty. I obviously missed uh, they were missing Anderson uh, at the weekend. But um, still got a point. So again, still, I know they, that, that's it. They, they still ground out a point, and I think when when he comes back in, the he has had a. It's, it's, I was talking. To, I think it was Fowler with this. He's had a transformative effect, or was it the Thursday's podcast where you could go through that Aki's team in terms of players who are really stepping up and, and, and being being real key players. So you can go Aaron Martin, uh, Ryan Fulton. Uh, Anderson, Ross Callahan, Hakim Adolphin, Marius Ogunpo. They've actually got a, re- a really solid, decent spine. Um, Graham, let's move on to the other nil-nil. The last game, the last game. Um, we're almost there. Dundee United nil, Celtic nil. It was enough to win Rangers the title. And 
it kind of summed up Celtic season. If they had just conceded a set piece from a set piece with a couple of minutes to go, I think it would have just summed it up perfectly. And to add to this, John Kennedy is not going to be the next permanent Celtic manager, is he? It depends if he wins the Scottish Cup. Celtic win the Scottish Cup, he'll be Celtic manager. Do you think so? Yeah. They'll just be like, they'll do it out of um, right away after the game out of uh, sentimentality again. They'll make another sentiment. I, I, I honestly think that that's not, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that they're going to do that. What I think they'll do is they'll be spooked like they were when they lost that semi-final to Rangers years ago. And I think they'll push the boat out. And, and I mean, whether they'll come in and be any good or not, I reckon they'll they'll definitely go down the... Try to get another Brendan Rodgers, basically. It was... I'm lost what to say about Celtic at this point in time and that they have they put out an 11 which should comfortably see off teams uh, should comfortably see off 8-9 teams in this division at the moment as you said it's not the strongest the Premiership has ever been um, there's a collection of teams who can't fucking score goals and can't fucking defend and somehow and third and fourth exactly and then you've got the other teams that are in the league and now you've got a Celtic eleven who are stumbling about the place. Celtic eleven that sees David Turnbull getting hooked. Uh, an eleven that has Edward basically just going through the motions. Uh, you've got an eleven with Scott Brown still playing week in week out in midfield. Um, you've got Elianusi who again didn't look particularly bothered at the weekend by any of this. Um, you've brought in a lone in, in Kenny who looks okay, but again nothing more than that. You've got Laxalt who comes in despite the fact that. Taylor had looked pretty reasonable recently, or was Taylor injured? Sorry, that maybe might be on me as well. But I, I'm at a loss what to say about them, and as well as that, half that team are going to be gone in the summer as well. There's absolutely, I can't see any situation where they don't lose at least a collection of Elianusi going back, Edward Christie, Laxalt, Laxalt, Kenny will be away as well. I, I are possibly away. Bain's not going to be the goalkeeper. Bain is not a Celtic number one. Why, how has this happened? How is why Bain why 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 is Scott Bain playing in goals when you've got a, a Greek international who, for better or for worse, may you paid six million pounds for him and he's not playing? Nothing makes any sense. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. Like if that you, sh- if you, that shot yesterday, which uh, well, he didn't. You think, okay, that's, he's made a decent save. He's missed it completely. This uh, smashed off his coupon and bro- almost broken his nose. An absolute donkey. Yeah, Celtics number one. Couldn't you get a game at Hibs? None of it makes any sense. Like, if you're Kennedy, at the very least, if you're Kennedy, look at it and go, well, do you know what? Maybe I get the job, maybe I don't. Why would you can, why would you persist with the same 11 that are there? At least go and do something faintly different. Mm. You've already, the, least, the league's already gone. Whatever you Basically do, it's just a matter of thing. in one position, hasn't he? He's just been trying to find somebody who could play. I mean, I don't know. I think Elianusi El- El- kind of started wide yesterday, but maybe finished playing up front, didn't he? But uh, yeah, it just looks like the only changes he's really made is brought in Klamala one week and Elianusi the next week, and that that seems to be it. That seems to be all the ideas he has. If you're going to, if, you, if you're going, if you're going to do it, and if you're going to go and sorry, Joe, if you're going to do it, you're going to go make your chance of being Celtic manager then send out a team which is young and actually interesting at some point or another. Send out a team which is exciting. Build your team around David Turnbull. Build your team around playing football and playing exciting football. I, I, it's, make, make your case in that way. And if you, if you don't get it, you don't get it. It's better than fucking doing that. It was, it's one of the worst job interviews I've seen. I think, I think Celtic <laughs> would have been better if uh, Guy Goma 
uh, when he stumbled into the B- uh, BBC by accident in their um, managing them than, uh, than John Kennedy. It was just, I was, watching, I was watching Celtic in the first 15 minutes thinking, first 15, 20 minutes, like, it's actually been really enjoyable to watch. They've been knocking them out really well, going through David Turnbull, just some of the one-touch football in tight spaces. And then the more it gets on, it's like, they are rubbish. It's like, the, 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 uh, Ryan Christie came out and said, like Sky were making a big deal of it, and Ryan Christie came out and said they got 26 shots. But in terms of those 26 shots, how many were, we'd say, they've created clear-cut chances and can really opened Dundee United up or made the right decision. There was just, there were so many poor decisions and then compounded, compounded by Kennedy taking off Turnbull, bringing Rogic on who did nothing. And then I know Scott Brown's not had a great season by any means, but taking Scott Brown off and then it just went to pot. They had no midfield. So they had no control of the game. They had no direction in the game and it just allowed Dundee United to just break them. And if Dundee United were a wee bit more competent, a wee bit more confident going forward, they would have uh, probably would have picked them up and picked them off and won two or three now. Anything else to add about Dundee United, Graham, before we get out of here? Fair play to them. More than than anything else, for a a team and a manager that took a a fair amount of stick from his own, predominantly from from the Dundee United fan base this season, I I fully appreciate that you always want the best for your team. And I'm always loath of criticising fans slagging off their manager. But again, Mickey Mellon was brought in, and particularly this season for Dundee United, given the shambles that the last couple of years have been for them. And so some of the nonsense that they've got themselves up to, given that they're still in with a shout of being top six. Yeah, very slim, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they've they they don't have a chance. Oh no, sorry. Oh, yeah, they, they, had, go, they had go, to go, win go. yesterday. Yeah, but no, nonetheless, they are comfortably safe. They are, they're not in, they're not going to be involved in any nonsense come the end of the season. They've had some good moments. They scurry, they scurry, or they, they or sorry, they get scurry by they, they, They've had some good moments this season, but more than anything else, they've not been a clown car like they have in, in, in years past in what could be a very, very difficult season for them being a promoted side coming up to the top flight when nobody's got any fucking money. Mellon has comfortably steered them to safety and the test for him begins next year, really. Um, ideally, you see, we start seeing fans back next year, however, or next season, however, maybe positive or overly positive that is one way or another but Dundee United next year that's when they should be looking to go and do top six push and that's when you need to be looking at well, what sort of a team are we going to be and what sort of a manager is Mellon for the year coming forward I beg your pardon sorry Graham you were you were spot on that they have a slim chance they need to if they win and St Mirren lose and St Johnston don't win and there's a seven goal swing then they can get into the top six yeah cool. see United um, being involved in a seven goals they've got three, three centre forwards they've got two Scotland internationals at centre forward they're, they're saving all their goals up for that one game it'll, it'll be like it'll, it'll, four and it doesn't it'll, work it'll be like Rory Bolden um, it'll, be, it'll be the Rory Bolden moment for McNulty and Shanklin both get hat-tricks and uh, Nicky Clark gets one as well another great reference Right, I think we should leave it there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, be sure to check out all the other content that will be going up during the week, as well as our Patreon content. And you can get in contact with us at any point you want through all the usual channels. Say goodbye, Graham. Goodbye, Graham. Say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye, and thank you for listening. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 